and welcome to the Yoast SEO podcast. We're joined today by a friend of the Yoast family, Kate Toon, who's all the on the other side of the planet. So thank you, Kate, for doing this with us so late in the evening. I know, it's 8.30 in the evening. It's well past my bedtime. No, I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, as always, more than happy to have you. It's um, the last time we've seen each other was at YoastCon, I think. I know. And what a conference that was. That was so... That, that was so good fun. It was so yeah, much that, fun. I mean, I was really ill. I don't know if you remember. Like, I had, I was really poorly. But that didn't stop me. Uh, it was so <laughs> no. much fun. And, uh, you know, dancing around with your wonderful boss, Marika, and <laughs> meeting Jono and the crew. No, it was brilliant. Yeah, no, it was yeah, it was good fun, but it's it is a pain that you're not able to to get over here. At the same time, luckily, all this technology allows us to speak to each other. Exactly. Isn't it wonderful? It is it's fabulous. Hey, for people who don't know you, Kate, how would you um, explain who you are? Oh, it's a bit meta. Uh, so I <laughs> um, I call myself the misfit entrepreneur. I have three businesses, all in digital education space. So one, I teach copywriters how to be better copywriters. Two, I have an SEO course that teaches e-commerce stores and marketers how to grapple Google. And then three, I teach people how to use digital marketing to build their business up and make more money. So all digital education, I don't have any clients anymore, but I did start in the world of copywriting, SEO copywriting, and SEO consultancy. So that's kind of how I built my business up. And then I decided to teach other people how to do the same. Yeah. It's, it's funny how we all end up teaching other people how to do it because we don't want to do it ourselves anymore. Exactly. I thought it would be so good <laughs> yeah. not having clients. And now I have thousands of customers and it's just the same, really. <laughs> is it though is it isn't it because the, the funny thing with having thousands of customers is that you don't have that one single customer that gets to control what you do well I have a horrible boss uh, uh who is very demanding and pushes me every single day of course that's me um so yeah my customers it's funny different customers are challenging in different ways and you know teaching SEO is interesting because you see as you know, you with your courses that you have, you see that you've explained it this way and people just don't get it. So you have to keep continually coming up with different angles and different ways of saying the same thing until you get that aha moment. So yeah, I'm, I'm running one of my courses at the moment and it's it's interesting, it's challenging uh, to see how people, you're like, why don't you just get it? Come on. But then you remember when you didn't get it and how you, you know, to explain something well, you have to know it very, very well. And I enjoy that challenge. Yeah. That wasn't even the question you asked me. I just completely went off on a tangent. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I, we're going to do that for another 40 minutes or so <laughs> okay. and then be done with it. Right. <laughs> so no, I'm good. We're good. Um, no, I, it, it is interesting. It, it, it's one of the things that I've seen here. So oh, we have an academy team, of course, that, that consists of people that are uh, trained in how to make education. So they're not necessarily trained in SEO. They've learned a whole lot in the process. But uh, but it, it is another way of looking at these things. And I've been doing training for years myself, and they go like, yeah, you're doing it all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> they would never say it to me like that because they're far too nice to do that but yeah. uh but it, if you look at how they what they create is like oh yeah i see why people would get that better but it's hard it's also 
SEO copywriting is is one of those things that's very hard to grasp. When are you overdoing it? When are you not doing enough? What 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 is good enough? It, it, it's well, very hard it. to do. Well, this is it, which is why I love. Although the technical week that I teach is challenging, and lots of people come in thinking I'm not technical, I can't do it. I love technical SEO because it's fairly black and white. You know, your site speed is this or this, your website is responsive or it's not, but you know, copywriting, it's a bit subjective, you know, does this flow? Have you used your keyword enough? You know, is it engaging? Is it readable? It's, it is, it's much more subjective. It's funny today, I got an article that was clearly written by an AI and I know that, you know, a lot of copywriters are feeling quite threatened by the oncoming AIs, but gosh, you could tell it was like, it was written by a fingerless monkey. It was so bad. And yet it, and yet it, on the surface, it wasn't, all the words were there. They were just in slightly the wrong order. I can't even explain it. It just felt awkward. So it is, and, and I can't put my finger on exactly why that copy was terrible. And that's why writing copy is really hard. Sometimes you just feel it, that it feels right. And it's not an intellectual decision. It's almost an emotional decision. Um, and that's what's challenging. It's not black and white. It, 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 the things where I go like, hey, that's where AI could actually be useful is where they write sports reports or stuff like that, where, where there's second-to-second information on what happens in the game and they can just, well, basically say what is what is happening in real time in words. That might somehow work a bit, but even then you, st- you would still not get the right emotion at the right time and, and all that. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I'm, you know, I'm I'm in all these clubhouse rooms at the moment where people are talking about apps they're developing to generate SEO content, you know, and even they're like, oh, you know, we could use this formula for title tags and this formula for meta descriptions. But even that language, you know, like how you write a, a really good combo of title and meta, like Batman and Robin, that works together perfectly like an ad and encourages click through. There's an art to that. And, and it's not, doesn't work just having a formula across every page of your site and using the same structure it depends on the product it depends whether it's a page or a blog post the type of product the season it's yeah i think we've got a way to go until ai fully takes over thank god hopefully when i'm too old to write copy anymore (laughs) (laughs) yeah i yeah i i want to test on the on the one hand with with stuff like that and on the other hand like like this is not going to work for at least another decade so let's not (laughs) I heard it from you. I've got 10 years left to make as much money as possible. And then I can go and yeah. in a hut in the mountains. <laughs> yeah. So on that, you, you used to travel a lot, of course. Now you can't because we all can't. Um, but you speak all over the world, isn't it? Isn't uh, yeah. that exhausting? It is. And like you, you know, I've got a family. I've only got one child. I think, how many have you got? 19? I can't remember. There's a few. You've lost only four. Only, only four. four. It just feels more during COVID. <laughs> no, it was. And I really pushed myself to do that partially because I had a morbid fear of public speaking and I wanted to get over it. So, you know, I speak speaking across Australia is still a fairly big deal because Australia is so big. So it's not like you can pop over you know, pop over to London for the day and come back. It's a big place. It takes as long to get to Melbourne as it does to get to London from where you are, you know? So yeah. And then I spoke in that year when I came and spoke at Yoast, I spoke with you. And then two weeks later, went and spoke in New York and just the flights and the jet lag. It's not, I was glad, you know, obviously COVID was disastrous, but I was glad for me that it gave me an opportunity to stop speaking because 
I was th- I think I was possibly doing it for the wrong reasons. I think I was doing it for a bit of an ego massage, a bit of a jolly, bit of a holiday. Like you meet amazing people and you have a real laugh. You know, it obviously helps your business to some degree, but it's a big cut out of your week, out of your month. You know, you go and speak in an event. By the time you've prepared your presentation, you've flown there, your adrenals as well, the energy ups and downs are really full on as well, right? So yeah, I enjoy it, but I I find now that I'm able to reach probably a bigger audience through the podcast. You know, I love, I've got a podcast. You were a fabulous guest on it. And now with Clubhouse coming along, I feel like I've got this new platform where I can talk to people all over the world that I wouldn't have been able to speak to them otherwise. Clubhouse has come along just at the right time for me. Yeah, the only problem I have with Clubhouse is that you can only talk to people who have iPhones. So, well, you know, <laughs> so they're the best people. No, they have said that they're going to be they're going to be releasing the Android version. They think early April. The platform's yeah. super glitchy, and I and that we think that everyone is on it thinks that's because they're trying to roll out the next version of it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens because I think there'll be a massive shift then, a cultural shift. It's so weird to me that in a time where we all don't have enough time, we all we all go for formats that take incredibly amounts of time to to do. I mean, I love podcasting. I've I so I used to podcast ten years ago. Um, I could literally pull my whole setup out of the uh, out of the, the attic and go like, okay, we, we're going to do this again. But it takes so much time, and I love doing it. But it, 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 there's people like, yeah, I listen to eight podcasts a week, and I go like, where do you have the time to do that? Well, it's when you're in the bath, when you're on the loo, when you're walking your dog. <laughs> it's in those moments. Doesn't everyone do that? And this is it, Clubhouse again. Sorry, I'm obsessed with Clubhouse at the moment. I'm not using it through the day because obviously I, I need to work. But it is good for those interim periods you know I'm walking the dog in the morning I can run a room I can talk to 200 people you know and that's great the only thing obviously that's not great about it is it's transitory you know you put the effort into a podcast solid eight hours or whatever it takes to record it make it edit it do all the stuff at least it's there forever whereas with the clubhouse room if you weren't there you missed out so you have to be really intentional about clubhouse and work out what you want from it um, and I think, you know, we'll see where it is in three months. We'll see if people are still quite as excited about it. I've, I think, think you've just found one of the payment models that uh, Clubhouse could use is to actually charge people to listen back and back to those conversations. Yeah. I, I mean, I just saw that Twitter's doing some kind of paid tweet thing. And obviously they're launching Twitter Spaces. Uh, they've just started rolling that out. So I wonder if when Twitter Spaces come out, everyone will go back over there. I'm not sure. It's an interesting time. But I think what it says... Oh, and soon enough, Facebook will copy it in in one of their apps. I'm surprised (laughs) they haven't already. I mean, they've got their rooms, which I don't know if anybody uses Facebook rooms, but of course they'll copy it. But what I think is interesting is the, the connection, really. People are craving connection. We've had a year of not being able to talk to people other than our immediate family. We're sick of our immediate family. So now talking to some random bloke in Azerbaijan on Clubhouse is my idea of fun because, you know, what else can I do? So it kind of, I think it's taken off so much because people are essentially quite lonely and Clubhouse makes you feel a bit less lonely. I'm getting all deep. I'm getting too deep, Yost. I'm sorry. No, it it, it is is very social in a way. It it is, uh, yeah. I'm curious where this will go once COVID 
uh, uh, goes away, if it well, it won't ever truly go away. But once we are all vaccinated and happy to do things again, yeah, I'm also curious to see what what will happen to the speaking circuit and all these many SEO conferences, etc. We we all had everywhere. I certainly won't be on a plane as much anymore as I used no, to be. It's cha- I think it's changed my mindset for good. Um, also, the validness of, you know, I've also been asked to speak at a lot of virtual conferences. And you realize that learning via a conference, honestly, isn't the best way to learn stuff. We were talking about teaching earlier. Like if I want to learn schema, I'm going to go and do your schema course, or I'm going to go and read a really comprehensive article on search engine land or something sitting in a room full of people coughing and drinking coffee and and, and listening to someone on stage isn't the best way of learning necessarily um it's really just more about the connection and the people in the after party and i think when you really realize that you're like so do i want to spend four and a half grand in two weeks of my life going for a party do you know what i mean i think it's just made us realize a bit more that we don't need conferences so yeah yeah Yeah, I I agree. And at the same time, I I think we do need them for the news sharing and for some of the innovative ideas. Yeah. Yeah, so we so we we need the conversations and and maybe Clubhouse is part of that and 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 other uh, tools. But it yeah, it it is weird. It is it it, you look at it and you go like, okay, so what does a really cool conference look like now, and what and how could we make that happen again? And we were already, I mean, YoastCon was always relatively small scale and uh, by design, not having like two and a half thousand people because that is not fun no and that's Um, that was its charm and you know that i run a conference over here called copycon obviously i haven't run it last year and this year maybe maybe it'll be able to happen touch wood um but again mine's small mine's only 300 people too deliberately so because i've been to some of those big conferences in the u.s uh you know which are you know amazing but they are so vast that you you feel like you're in a city and you're just going into like different towns to watch these movies. So many people, there's no intimacy and it's quite hard to, unless you're quite extroverted, it can be quite challenging to kind of meet other people. And yeah, I'm not sure those huge American conferences are for me. Well, they're not just American. We had WordCamp Europe every year, which was one of our biggest conferences uh, that we went to, which was somewhere between 1,500 and 3,000 people every time. and, and 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 yeah, honestly, for me, just walking around there is exhausting. Yeah. So you should come uh, to the World Camps in Australia. They're much smaller. They're really cute. <laughs> There's like 200 people, but they're amazing. Really amazing. It, yeah, but uh, so you come for the community, but yeah. if it's if it becomes so massive, then it yeah that 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 is harder. Yeah. Um, we were talking about teaching, but let, let's go into what you were saying there actually a bit. You So you teach people how to write good SEO copy. You think about titles, descriptions, et cetera. Um, has anything changed in that regard in the last decade? In the last decade, yes, definitely. Gosh, it used to be so easy. You just whack up a blog, shove a few keywords in, and Bob was your uncle. You know, obviously there was so much less competition. Um, you know, and I think... Although I teach SEO copy these days, I really, I teach the whole kit and caboodle now because I don't think that you can, you know, no amount of good SEO copy is going to get you out of a technical hole. You know, if your site's taking 27 seconds to load and there's not a single backlink to it in the universe, no one's ever going to read that beautiful copy. So the thing that I try and impress on everybody is that you can't learn SEO copy in a vacuum. But yeah, I mean, it's, 
changed hugely. Um, I don't think necessarily title tags and metas have changed that much. I think they've still, you know, the art of writing a good ad uh, SERP snippet is still the same. I just don't think many people take it seriously. They leave it up to their developer to just plop something in. Um, obviously, the SERPs just keep changing every five minutes. You know, featured snippets were all the rage, but there's been a massive turn down in those in the last couple of months. Like, I've seen loads of people who had featured snippets just losing them. Um, and then, you know, I'd, obviously the sophistication just gets more and more, you know, with, with the BERT update and that natural language processing, you know, just the ability for Google to understand the myriad of meanings of a given word and and what difference the pronoun makes or adding a single preposition makes to the structure of a sentence. I mean, this is your jam, isn't it, with the with the Yoast plugin? And and it's it's amazing, really, and terrifying. It's the as I said, it's the AI is 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 working us out and getting smart. The funny thing is it's it's not really the AI though. It's it, 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 I was listening to uh another great podcast, the SEO 101 podcast uh, uh where John Mueller was a guest recently. And he was they were like, "Yeah, but you don't know why stuff ranks anymore." And and he goes like, "Well, actually we do because there's not as much AI in there as you think there uh, right. there is." He didn't say it in the, in that many words, but he said so there's parts of it that are absolutely machine trained. But that, but we can, we still know why it works the way it works, and it's not, it, it's all just models. And the funny thing I find in in how we do language analysis, what not everyone realizes is that we do all the language analysis that the OSTCO plugin does in your browser. So that code is JavaScript that runs in your browser. Um, it has to therefore be very simple. And it's a relatively simple models. So we're constantly simplifying those models. And um, it, it, yeah, I think it's just, uh, um, it, it's interesting to see that Google is admitting to that as well, to saying, hey, we're making, this isn't all that hard. At the same time, it is hard because copy is hard. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's a mi big misunderstanding, I think, in the copywriting world that, you know, that you can't, if you're going to write SEO copy, you're writing SEO copy. If you're going to write conversion copy, you're writing conversion copy. And never the two, never the two can meet, which is complete nonsense, obviously. Because um, I think that, you know, still in this day and age, people think it's about shoehorning keywords into particular positions and using exact match phrases. And they just don't understand that Google's gone beyond understanding the words in the phrase it actually understands the structure of the phrase and what the phrase means and how you know just moving that there's a great sentence that I use you this might not make sense to you I know but in when my friend was an actor at college she she was given this line to say again and again and it was who are you when you're alone in the bath um and um what what if you change the emphasis in that sentence from the different word to the different words if you say who are you when you're alone in the bath who are you when you're alone in the bath who are you when you're alone in the bath as opposed to somewhere else that is one sentence and you can change the meaning so many ways now google can't work that out because one thing google can't do yet is really understand intonation we've got voice search it's getting good at voice recognition but it can't get intonation it doesn't understand there's no sarcasm font there's no emphasis font really and uh you know maybe no. it'll start you know, maybe bolding will become a thing but you know i think it's 
the fact that Google is really understanding things like ambiguity and homonyms and, you know, I just, and homographs, I think that's amazing, you know? And, and as you said, it is AI, but it's AI that's been taught on basic natural language processing, which already existed, you know? Uh, or these skills were already there. Yeah, and, and, and which already existed, but they also have to train for every language every time they, they add a new one. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. And, we, and, talked about or, Yoast. You, we talked about this at Yoast, yeah. your plans to expand to the different languages. Where are you up to with that? Can I ask you a question? Where well, are you up to with that? <laughs> well, we, we do this for, so we have full morphology support now for 15 languages. So in 15 languages, we, we, we do the, uh, the singulars, the plurals, etc., and uh, we recognize those things. But that is, is an incredible amount of work. And if I look at how much work that is for us, I I can only realize how much work it must be for Google yeah. uh, to do all this right and to to. And I think they try and do that a lot more with machine learning and with uh, with AI, where we. Um, sometimes go a bit more old fashioned in a way and, and try to do it with models. Uh, but you get very close to the same result in the end because, well, in the end, it's the same copy. Um, but it's very, but yeah, no, it's, it is hard. It's very freeing as a copywriter. Every time this happens and people feel threatened and worried, you know, when the hummingbird al algorithm update happened, when Bert came out, it basically just means we can write more like humans. We already should have been. We already should have been, yeah. but you know, people get it wrong. But I still, to the day, even somebody in my one of my copywriting groups today said, you know, they'd had an email from an SEO agency that had said they wanted twelve blogs about local stuff, and they needed to rank for like Plumber Sydney. So could they use the keyword Plumber Sydney every two hundred and fifty words? And I'm like, really, in this day and age, are people still? And this is an SEO agency saying this. And my copywriter is trying to push back and say, it's not going to do anything because they want to get in the local pack. That isn't even controlled by this content. You know, and, but yeah, it's, there's still, a, still an awful lot of misinformation about how to write SEO copy, I think. Yeah, and it's, it's also because, well, the in, the internet doesn't forget. So all these old, old articles are still out there and, and people are still reading those old articles and getting the wrong information. And that is, it's hard. Mm. I think Google is doing a better and better job of actually explaining how it does work. But it is, it is kind of hard to tell people like, yeah, but what you're trying to do here is impossible. Mm. Literally think like trying to get into a local pack by writing copy. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, that. It's not Two separate really things. Help yeah, I mean, I think you know, the, we had Matt Cutts back in the day, and now John is manfully doing the videos, and they, they do—they're much better at explaining things, and even the guidelines are written in a much clearer way. Um, but I think people will find ambiguity where they choose to find it, and unfortunately, you know, somebody will find a site where someone has done this and gone, "Look, it works," and they don't look at all the other factors involved; they just look at the copy, and they say, "No, no, no! Look, they've used the word painter seventy-two times. It must work," and it's like. There are so many other reasons, but if you don't understand that big picture, then it's hard for you to kind of examine that, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So how do we uh, get people to do better? Is, is there a, a way that we can make that we SEOs of the world can, can improve the web by, by all telling them the same story? It's probably not going to work, right? <laughs> uh, no, I think it is. I think, you know, people like you and Marika and other people are de-jargoning 
SEO, you know, we don't need to use some of the phrases that we do. Oh, there are alternative phrases that normal humans understand. Um, you know, we need to encourage people to write naturally and normally, but to write with focus. Like, why does this piece of content need to exist? Uh, if you've already written it, do, do you need to write it again? Simple questions to ask people. And then, you know, if you really are writing about something that you're passionate about that solves a pain point, you're going to use keywords without even thinking about it. You're going to use them in the headline. Maybe afterwards you do a quick little check. This is what I say, you know, think about your focus. Think about the phrase you someone might type into Google. Obviously think about intent. Is it conversion, information, uh, investigation, whatever. You know, pick your focus keyword and your synonyms, then throw them away and write the best damn article you can write. Make it interesting, engaging, readable, break it up with subheaders and short sentences and bullets and images. And then maybe just come back in the end and go, you know, whack it through a bit of word cloud software or Yoast and just say, you know, did I cover the basic touch points? You know, did I at least use this keyword in the URL, whatever? It's not rocket science. It really isn't. Rocket science is writing good copy. Making it SEO friendly is actually relatively easy, but the good copy bit is the bit yeah. that people struggle with. So, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, to to go back to the writing process, where do you write? Do you write in in your uh, in your blog, or do you uh, or in WordPress or in Google Docs or? I'm a word. What, what do you? I'm still a word girl. I can't do docs. I can't write directly into WordPress. I have to write in Word. I just I'm old school, and I and I know that I am old school because. I can see the next generation of copywriters coming up who are like, you know, 20, 25, and they are all in Google Docs. They are all using Google Docs. You know, they're also using a lot of transcription software, so they're reading their copy out, um, which is a great way to do it, by the way. If you feel you're not a good writer, just talk to a transcriber like Rev or Otter AI, and you will find that the words flow so much easier. Most people are challenged by the the white page. But yeah, I'm a word girl. I can't I can't use anything else. I'm terrible. No, I, I yeah. I so said one of the things that why I asked that is because I think that actually we could make much better web experience if we did, would get more people to actually write in the editor in yes. or in Gutenberg or because you could actually use blocks more intuitively as you write and to and build the page much more. But it is what what I worry wonder about is why people. Why do people like Google Docs? Why do people like Word? What is it that makes you like that? Is it that it's I think only it's, that and nothing else? I think, you know, it's basic functions like search and replace and the real ease of cut and pasting um, and all the short keyboard shortcuts, which I know work in some of the browsers as well. Um, I just feel that maybe the real estate within the the browser Within a, within a platform is there's not enough real estate. There's not enough white space. I can't see around the edges. Um, that's it for me. And the ability to cut and paste because I've, I've got one of these fancy quirky keyboards. I'll just show you. It's very good. And I've seen other keyboards where you don't have a screen where you just write, write, write. But a lot of writers need to edit as they go. That's just how they are. Um, and, you know, I think I think the word just gives you that freedom to edit a bit better. I mean, I can't bear the editing experience on Google Docs. I don't like the way it highlights and tracks changes. I don't know. It's a weird one. I'll tell you one tip that was passed on to me, which is brilliant as well for people who struggle to write. If you're really struggling to write, use Word and turn the font to white and write in white copy on a white page because it stops you from editing. 
and you can just write it all flows out of you and once you know you can't edit a blank page as they say so once you've got that out then you can go back and structure and and work it out but when i write i have a i do have a very clear process so i start with something called a skeleton draft and in my skeleton draft i will outline the focus keyword the synonyms I will have a think about the headline for the page and then I will li literally bullet out the key messages I want to write on that page. So say it's an about page, you know, what are the bullets I'm going to include in the opening paragraph, the second paragraph? And I may move those around to structure my argument and tell a story to make sure I've got a clear beginning, a middle and an end and then and get my facts straight. You know, maybe that's when I go off and get my data and my links. Then I'll send that to the client and say, this is what I'm going to write. Is there anything missing? Uh, and they get their opportunity to change it. And then I come back and I am literally, you know, gluing bullet points together with perfect prose. Or I read the bullet points, delete them, and I write the paragraph. But that process of getting your facts straight and getting rid of the blank page and then going to the writing is really, really helpful. If you just try and write it all out, it's really, really hard. And also then when the client comes back with an extra point they want to make, you're like, well, there's nowhere for it to go. I've got to break that paragraph in half now and put this in, you know, so it really, really helpful. So that's my little structure. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think uh, Marika teaches it in a very similar way to you. With, with And, and she, she's always pretty... Um, pushing me on like yeah but if i if i just read the first sentences of all your paragraphs i should be able to understand what your text is about and i'm like oh my god this is so hard <laughs> that's why i leave most of the writing to other people and i just yeah. do a podcast it's a lot easier it's a lot easier to <laughs> yeah that's great you know if you only read the headline and the subheaders can you understand the argument can you understand the whole article if you don't read a single paragraph just the headline and the subheaders and that makes you work harder at your subheaders as well so yeah yeah, which in the end also makes it a lot easier. The funny thing is that I look at it the other way around. So I look at it like if we do all this well, and you, and if you if you structure your paragraphs like that, it becomes so much easier for an algorithm to figure out what your content is about. That's why, well, we've been talking about stuff like readability ranks for quite a while now, and it seems that the SEO world is slowly waking up to it. But it is... Um, it is just looking at an algorithm and go like, hey, it's actually hard to do this because people are now playing with it. And some of the SEOs are going like, hey, we, we're, let's see how Google works and let's try to do this ourselves. And and then you go like, oh, but wait, if I write readable copy, it's a lot easier to do, to make that algorithm do its thing. And that's the whole point. It's, it's better for humans and better for robots, which yeah. which is wonderful and the, and we almost read like robots these days you know i think the, the the recommended reading age you know flight kincaid is you know grade seven or eight it's not graduate level because we're reading this article on a phone while moving with the sun flashing on the screen we need short simple paragraphs we need clear subheaders because we're not reading like we read when we read a book in solitude in a quiet room you know we, we you know i think it's uh, jacob nielsen says you know we don't read the full copy we forage around on the page to find little bits of information we're interested in so that readability is is everything and and so important and so underestimated like white space between paragraphs people give people time to their eyes to breathe a bit of time to pause before you move to the next argument so many yeah. blog posts and you see it too you'll go in and it's just one solid lump of copy and you're like, yeah, or the other way around, which is also horrible, where there's like a new, two new lines after every sentence. Yeah, and 75 um, animated GIFs. 
which are fun, yeah. but should be used sparingly, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it, it is It is hard. Web copy is hard, but it, yeah, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad to hear you say it's not like reading a book. We we get this every once in a while where people go like, yeah, but your readability test is super bad because Hemingway wouldn't pass that. I'm like, that is not written for the web. Yeah, yeah. And even just the basic thing, I think I see this a lot, you know, and we've got the whole core Web Vitals update coming out, but just the UX of a page and like these pages that have copy that is spread all the way across with no padding. And the eye literally cannot connect to the next line. That's why books are as wide as they are to make the eye be able to connect with the next line. And, you know, and this is something that you need, you guys need to sort out with your WordPress connections, not allowing people to build these fully full width pages. <laughs> it, it drives me nuts because there's a whole lot of, it, the funny thing is that one of the things that WordPress did when it, uh, when it even started way back in the day when Matt Mullenweg forked it from B2, one of the things he added was a lot of uh, the, the automate uh, automatically doing quotes right and yeah. and getting getting uh text to well to look better and somehow we we don't always seem to get that right in in themes i do have to say i think the core wordpress themes that we output do that very well so if you look at the the last uh, uh 2021 theme that came with wordpress core i i think it does it very well but it's a very it's a relatively small column. People mm -hmm. can't read much wider, wider than that. So I agree with you. It shouldn't be that wide. And people, well, Core Web Vitals is a painful process in itself because everybody is looking at how do I make my site as fast as Google wants it to be? And honestly, if it's hard for us at Yoast, I fully understand that it's going to be hard for a lot of people. Yeah, it is so challenging. But I think it's about making decisions about you know, what's important on the page. You know, we know there's so many sites have that monster image at the top that takes whatever to load and you're just starting to read the copy and then suddenly everything shudders and moves down the page because, you know, the layout hasn't been put, probably the dimensions haven't been entered. And I think it's about sacrificing some of the sexy stuff for the content, you know, clarity over creativity, function over form. Um, and I think we're going to, you know, not that we should go back to having like Wikipedia style websites with not just plain text. And I'm not a huge fan of AMP either, you know, for most sites. But there's a lot to be said for just plain black text on a white background. It doesn't need to wiggle and jiggle and flash and move. It doesn't need to have, you know, all these fancy rollover states and parallax scrolling. Just white text black text on a white background please <laughs> yeah yeah i i couldn't agree with you more although i do like dark mode websites as well so oh, I, can't I, deal I with do them. that's such a boy thing that is such a boy <laughs> thing all the folks i know are in dark mode i just don't get it <laughs> I, so it's user preference but it, i do agree with you that it's very much function over form yeah um and it, and it's it's funny because a lot of the core web vitals that we struggle with uh, right now as uh, as people are caused by ads that google outputs so it's in a way um google's own fault uh, <laughs> you can always blame google come on <laughs> uh yeah and we will we will keep on blaming google um in in all of this, do you ever, um, when you think about copy, do you do you think about structured data a lot? Do you relate to that, or is that not something that you touch on? I mean, yes, obviously, you know, especially with e-commerce sites and ensuring that you know we have e-commerce schema in there. With with most of the sites I work on, or when my my students work on, it's local business. As long as you know, I'm not going to give you a 
a toot your horn, but as long as they've got Yoast in store, then they've got that those local bits, you know, they don't need a whole lot more than that. You know, obviously if it's a rescue site, event site, we might look into that. But I think, you know, so when I'm writing a product description, I imagine that there is no such thing as schema. And I work very hard to have consistent product descriptions that have a nice uh, conversion-focused, engaging, fun intro. But then in terms of the specs, that they are formatted really cleanly, you know, material, colon, cotton, size, colon, whatever. So I imagine that schema doesn't exist and I have to do the labeling. Because as you said, if we make it easier for humans, we make it easier for Google. So we can't just rely on schema and go and label things in a big, massive paragraph of crap. We should do our best to make the paragraph less crappy to begin with. That's how I think about it. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. It also makes it a lot easier to to relate the, the actual schema later on. Yeah. But it's that is one of the things where I... Um, well, I hope we will be able to create editing experience where uh, where you, you don't have to think all that much about structured data, but we do the thinking for you. Well, yeah. Uh, I remember Jono saying at the conference, which I loved, when he did his future presentation, which I'd say was one of my favorite presentations I've ever seen. I hope he doesn't listen to this because he'll get a massive ego. But, you know, what <laughs> he, he and you said that the, the good thing is, is that all the platforms are taking away these problems for us. And when you take away all the tech stuff and, you know, we're, we're not supposed to be building backlinks anymore, you take away all the tech. Well, then really all you have is the content. All you have is the content and how it's written. And so it becomes super, super important. Well, and uh, and honestly, the, the, we're not supposed to be building backlinks anymore. Is that true, though? I, I, oh, a lot I of that is just, <laughs> I, I, I think what Google has been saying for years and the, one of the things that it's funny to see them sometimes backtrack on a bit. It's like, yeah, you need links, but we don't want you to go out and buy them. Well, of course they don't want they want that because that breaks their algorithm. But they're not against digital PR or no. Or they want us want to. to I'm doing air fingers. They want us to earn backlinks rather than build backlinks. They want us to just produce content so good that random strangers want to backlink to it. And of course, that's not going to happen. We all need to put that content in front of the right people, encourage them. So yeah, of course. But what I'm saying, I think the main thing is, is a lot of people are frightened of SEO in general because of the tech stuff. And while as SEO gets more technical, it kind of gets less technical because the platforms seem to be working much harder to solve those problems for us. You know, in the early days- And we should. I mean, should, why yeah. would- why would it's your job. Why would a normal- <laughs> Yeah. Why, why would a normal user that just wants a website have to think about canonicals or hreflang or stuff like that? It's way too hard. Yeah, it's way too hard. And, you know, that's why I think platforms like Shopify and Squarespace, which, you know, they don't allow you to fiddle with those things. You don't have to worry about backups and security and, uh, you know, really site speed because there ain't not much you can do about it. You can change your images, but you can't be fanning around with caching plugins and whatever. And that's why they are growing in appeal. I've seen since I launched my course five years ago, when I started it, maybe 5% were on Shopify and Squarespace. Now it's at least 50%. So, you know, and I think WordPress is increasing as well because there's just so many more websites. But the, the people who choose Shopify for the ease, because they just want to focus on their business, you know, they don't want to be worrying about schema at the end of the day. Who does? Even people who like schema don't want to be worrying about schema, I think. <laughs> uh, well, I so I want us to worry about it, but I do I do agree that this should be a very small group of people that thinks about this and makes the standards and that makes it work for everybody. Yeah. Um, 
and and Shopify does a really good job of that of of actually simplifying it to to the bare bones, um, which is a, a challenge that I think not all CMSs in the world have figured out that that's their challenge yet. Yeah, and they just got very good at doing one thing very well. You know, they focus just on e-commerce, whereas of course WordPress is trying to be all things to all people, it's stores, it's directories, it's, you know, it's memberships. It, it, it has a lot more complexity. You know, I look at my sites and the amount of plugins that I need just to do the basic functions. There's no WYSI stuff. It's just the basic functions. It's, it's substantial. And that's obviously all JavaScript and CSS that, but, you know, that's, if you choose a platform that does one thing very, very well, and that's all you need, then that's fine. But then obviously you don't get the versatility of, of WordPress. So yeah, it's always a... Yeah, it, 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 it can go both ways. And I certainly understand both choices. It is, uh, if I had to run just a web shop and I didn't know anything, then I can certainly understand why people go for Shopify. Yeah. Um, and they've been doing so in droves. I mean, I do this uh, by, twice a year, I do this, this uh overview of which CMSs are doing well and it, Shopify's growth is astonishing. But I think as well that plays into what we were saying these days choosing the CMS is less about the SEO friendliness and more about you as a human and what kind of person you are. I'm someone that likes to tinker and I like flexibility and I like to play around. Some people just don't even want to think about that. You know, it's like the, the sort of person who cares about what's under the hood of their car versus the sort of person who just wants to pay the mechanic, you know? Um, so I think, I think it's a good thing. And I think, I think you're the same as me. If I was just going to launch a shop tomorrow, would I choose WordPress and WooCommerce? I'm, I'm not sure. I might go with Shopify. Well, yeah. The thing is what I, in your comparison, I'm the guy who is willing to pay a premium to not have to do anything with my car and to make sure that it just always works. Yeah, true. And, and um, we we're getting some more hosting companies, etc., like that that are yeah. that are a, a lot more white glove and that just take care of everything for you. Yeah. Um, I I do think that we have a ways to go there in in how we what people get offered. Because I just don't want to deal with all that stuff. Nah, I know. But the thing is, you want ultimate flexibility, a site that can do everything and you don't want to play with it. You don't have to touch it. Can't have everything. <laughs> not I, yet. Why not? Why yet. Not? <laughs> <laughs> not yet, I, maybe. I, this is where I break out into singing, I want it all. And then <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, let's, let's not do that. I need to get my soundboard ready for this stuff. <laughs> That'd be a great way to start singing your way out of your podcast. That would be beautiful. Yeah, it, it, that's Jason's spiel. Jason Bernard does that. And oh, I, he does. I'm like, oh, he does, Jason. When he first did that to me, I literally didn't know what to do with myself. It was so awesome. No, I, it, I, yeah, the same for me. It was, <laughs> I, I was flabbergasted, a bit shocked. <laughs> And therefore, okay, you are an awesome person he that you dare do this. What a dude. You know, he was in a band. He's in a band and everything, though. So that's it. He's going to love what yeah. we're talking about him. I'm going to tell him straight after this. He's going to be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was a guest before you, so oh, he has uh, that. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. I've got to start yeah, um, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. He's geographically closer, so oh, it's whatever. a lot easier. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing is it's funny you think that taking uh, for me going to uh london takes as much time as you for you to go to melbourne and honestly 
I can be in London in two hours from now. Really? Wow, <laughs> that's insane. Well, not now you can't. You're trapped. You're trapped in your house. Uh, well, no, not London. But, I mean, Jason's in Paris. That's a four-hour yeah. drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's Europe is so much smaller than people think. I know, and it's so so far away, but you know, Australia's beautiful and sunny and we've got koalas, so there you go. Yeah, and you you don't have as much covid as all all of us do. Um I I can break into a new a new subject, but I'm not going to. I'm just going <laughs> to ask you to to be back at some point because it was awesome talking to you. Thank it's, you. It's always good fun talking to you. We always cover a myriad of topics and I love it. <laughs> yeah likewise um okay for everyone listening if you're uh this is the first time you're listening make sure to subscribe on your favorite platform we are everywhere um this was the yostasio podcast with k2 and thank you very much